biology. 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 Hello and welcome to another episode of the HSC Biology Podcast. Today we are looking at the inquiry question, how does the human immune system respond to exposure to a pathogen? And specifically we're looking at the dot point, investigate and model the innate and adaptive immune systems in the human body. So last time on the podcast we looked at the innate immune system and responses. We looked at barriers, we looked at the ways in which our body responds in a non-specific manner. So that uh, covers the innate immune system. Today we are looking at the adaptive immune system and this is going to be a specific response and the response is going to be orchestrated by a number of different cells all working together. Um, So it is quite amazing the uh, adaptive immune system sometimes called the third line of defense and that's what we're going through today. Alright, before we get into it today, I think it's important to go through a couple of key concepts. So the first one we're going to talk about is uh, your cells, and in particular, the marker molecules you have on them. So your cells all display a particular marker that is unique to you. Now this is on a marker called MHC1, and basically I like to explain them like tiny flags or tiny shapes that are unique to you. So they are yours and yours alone just like your fingerprint. And so these MHC1 markers allow your body to understand what is self. Now that's very important because when anything that comes into the body that isn't self or is a foreign thing, that's when your body is going to start to do something. And we call this an antigen. And so an antigen is anything your body considers foreign. Or in other words, it doesn't display those marker molecules that make you, you. And so uh, an antigen like bacteria or a virus have these markers on the outside that are different um, to yours. And so your body recognizes that and it starts to mount an attack. Um, One key word that people quite often mix antigen up with is antibody. So I'll just quickly mention that, but I'll go through it in more detail in a second. So an antigen, as I said, is bad, and an antibody is good. Now, an antibody is a Y-shaped molecule that kind of fits onto a pathogen, a part of a pathogen, or the antigen, and it stops it from doing certain functions. So uh, for my students, I get them to remember that antigen has got three letters at the end, so anti and then gen, G-E-N, and then I just equal that to bad. So three letters gen, three letters bad. Whereas an antibody has body at the end, and body has four letters, and good has four letters. So I remember antibody equals good, antigen equals bad. And that's just the three and four letter combination I use for it, but hopefully you have your own way of remembering. So I will go into a bit more detail about what antibodies do as we get through the end of the third line of defense. But for now, let's actually start at the process of handing over from the second line to the third line. So last lesson, we spoke about a few different cells that can do different roles in the body. And we're going to start at the macrophage. Uh, So the macrophage's job in the innate immune system was to just devour or engulf pathogens using phagocytosis. 
Now that's very useful, we can kill pathogens, but if we need to mount a more significant immune response, we need to initiate the adaptive immune response. And a macrophage is one of the three cells we're going to talk about today that can do this. So let's say a bacteria enters your body and the macrophage comes along and it uh, engulfs that bacteria. What it's going to do if it needs to mount a more significant immune response is it's going to display a part of that bacteria on a very special marker molecule, just like your self ones, but this one is called MHC2. So this stands for Major Histocompatibility Complex, uh, but just remember MHC2. So this marker is a little different because this marker is going to hold up that antigen in order for a new type of cell to come over and attach to it. And the new type of cell that's going to come over is a very important cell. This is probably like the brains of the operation. This is a T helper cell. And the T helper cell is going to receive that antigen and then it's going to decide what to do about it. And we'll go through that in just a minute. But that's just the first way that we can alert our adaptive immune system engulfing the pathogen, displaying it on that MHC2 marker, and then showing it to the T helper cell. Now the second way that we can do it is through a cell called a B cell. Now it gets called a few different ones. I like to call it a naive B cell, um, or just B cell by itself. But uh, in your blood you have B cells uh, that have antibodies all over their surface. So you remember before I said that antibodies are good, they're these Y-shaped molecules that sort of uh, attach to antigens. Well this very special naive B cell has thousands of different antibodies all over its surface. And all of those antibodies, one of them is going to be specific to the antigen that just invaded your body. Now this is amazing considering that you could have any antigen enter your body, any pathogen, but this naive B cell is kind of like a universal key owner. It will have the necessary Y-shaped antibody to match to a specific antigen. Now once it's found that antigen that matches specifically with the antibody, it will attach to that antibody, so it will get stuck to it. Now as the antigen is stuck to that Y-shaped molecule, it will actually be internalized by that B cell. So it will bring it into the cell, but then it will once again display it on an MHC2 marker molecule. And who's it going to display it to? The T helper cell once again. So this is a second way that we can alert our T helper cell to enact that very specific adaptive immune response. So the B cell, like a universal key, with lots of antibodies on the outside, can pick up antigens and display it on the MHC2 marker to the T helper cell. Now the third way and most common way that I've seen more recently been uh, put into diagrams and in YouTube videos is the dendritic cell. So this is the third cell we're talking about today and the dendritic cell operates in a very similar way. Now this doesn't do uh, engulfing and destroying as much. This is going to be just picking up the particles that are left over or engulfing uh, specific antigens and once again displaying them on the MHC2 marker. And that MHC2 marker is once again going to attach to a T helper cell and the T helper cell is going to decide what to do. So there's three cells there. We've got the macrophage that can do it, we've got the B cell or naive B cell, and we've got the dendritic cell. All have the ability to display this very specific antigen to the T helper cell. 
Now once the T helper cell has received the information of a specific antigen, it has to choose what to do. So it can go down two main paths here. The first path that we're going to look at is known as antibody-mediated immunity, or also called humoral immunity, or the humoral response. Um, and you can also mention it as the B-cell response, uh, because the cells that are involved are all uh, B-cells. So, uh, or just quickly, the B in B-cells and the T in T-cells come from where they form. Um, so T, T-cells uh, actually form in the bone marrow, but then they mature in the thymus, in the thymus gland. Um, whereas the uh, B-cells, uh, most commonly believed, uh, they do mature in the bone marrow of humans, but the B actually comes from where they were discovered in chickens, which is pretty weird, uh, in the bursa of a certain part of the chicken. So, uh, But it is easier to remember that the B comes from <laughs> bone marrow, uh, but that's not the original original one there. So, the B cell side, what happens here? Well, that T helper cell that received that antigen from one of those three original cells I spoke about is going to choose what to do. And if it chooses to do the humoral response, it means that it wants to make something that is going to be able to get in between our cells. So the parts in between our cells, also sometimes called the interstitial fluid, were once upon a time called the humors, or the certain liquids of the body. Um, so this is why it's the humoral response, because it's in the liquids in our body, but it's in the parts not inside our cells. So think about the cells next to one another. There is going to be some space between them, and there's going to be liquid in between them. So that fluid in between we call a humor. And the humoral response is going to be making something that acts in that area, in that humor. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be making something that gets in that humor. So how do we do that? Well, the T helper cell, once again, is going to receive that antigen. It's then going to release a special chemical called a cytokine, or a cytokine, depending on how your teacher pronounces it. And those cytokines are chemical reactions that cause B cells to change. So if you remember the naive B cell that I said before had all those keys on its surface, when it connects to a T helper cell, the T helper cell actually releases chemicals that act directly on that B cell, not another one, on that B cell that's presenting the antigen. And it will cause that B cell to differentiate and start dividing. But this time, it's not going to just divide into more, you know, unique key cells or those naive B cells. It's now going to differentiate into a very specific type of cell, a plasma cell. And the plasma cell is going to produce thousands and thousands of antibodies per second. And so that naive B cell has been activated and it will start dividing. The new cells that are being made are going to be our plasma cells. And those plasma cells are going to make antibodies. So I'll quickly go through what antibodies are now. Antibodies, as I said before, are Y-shaped proteins, Y-shaped molecules that have the ability to stick to antigens. And they have four main jobs in your body. The first one is neutralization. So when they attach to an antigen, they stick to the side of it. Think about throwing like, you know, a bunch of uh, sticky tennis balls at someone while they're running. Eventually, if you throw enough of them, it's going to make it very difficult to run. And so these, uh, these antibodies are sticking to the pathogens and stopping them from functioning in their normal way. So maybe they can't use their flagellum as well or their fimbria. 
they're just not able to function efficiently, so it's neutralizing their abilities. Now the second thing that it can do is it can also bind many pathogens together in a process called agglutination. Agglutination, I just remember the glue, it sounds like gluing them together. So these antigens can not only stick to one pathogen, but they have these, uh, the ability to stick multiple pathogens together. And multiple pathogens sticking together means once again they can't function, and they're also easier pickings for the white blood cells that can come and pick them up and destroy them. So the agglutination sticks all these pathogens together. Now the third thing it can do is do something called complement action. And complement action is kind of like where the Y-shaped molecule is attached to the pathogen and it's summoning chemicals. So a chemical will attach to it and that will cause another chemical to be released and another and another. And we call this a chemical cascade. And that chemical cascade will set off more alerts in your body to come and do something about it. And so this complement action is just a chemical chain reaction initiated by that Y-shaped molecule, the antibody, attached to a pathogen. Just releasing a bunch of chemicals to say, hey, let's do something about this. Now the last one is called opsonization. And this is basically where I like to explain it like the Y-shaped molecule attached to the pathogen is waving a big flag saying, please come and get me. Come and destroy this thing I'm attached to. So your body can once again recognize these antibodies as something that, you know, they're not going to attach to something good. They're attaching to something bad. So we need to destroy it. And so this opsonization, this uh, ability of your body to be alerted by these Y-shaped molecules. So just to recap, that naive B cell presented the original antigen, the thing that was bad, to the T helper cell. The T helper cell releases cytokines that act on that B cell. That B cell starts to differentiate and turn into a unique type of B cell called a plasma cell. Now that plasma cell is going to start releasing antibodies, thousands and thousands per second, but those antibodies are now specific. They are unique to that original antigen, and it's only going to make that type of antibody. And this is why it is the adaptive immune system. We have a unique antibody being made that is going to attach to that specific antigen and stop it from functioning. And that is the function of those plasma cells. Now the last cell you're going to make on the B cell side is known as a memory B cell. This cell is so important and underpins all of what we do in vaccinations um, and, and understanding primary and secondary responses. So a memory cell will take a piece of that antigen or a memory of that antigen and it will store it. It will store it in your body potentially forever. Sometimes you can lose the ability to overcome certain pathogens. Your B cell numbers are too low uh, or they disappear altogether. But for the most part, a B memory cell or memory B cell can be in your blood forever. And then the next time a pathogen attacks, you don't need to go through that entire process again to make antibodies. Your memory B cell already knows how to make it. And so it will immediately start differentiating into those plasma cells and then start making once again all those antibodies. But this time it won't be slow. It will be much quicker and it will be much larger in its response. And so this is why after you've had a vaccination or you've been sick once with the same virus, uh, your body has an incredible ability to overcome that, so much so that you might not even notice that you've had it again. And so that is what underpins uh, the process of vaccination, which we'll talk about later as well.
So that makes up the humoral immunity that we have. Um, but sometimes we need a different type of immune response. So we just spoke about what happens in between our cells, but what happens when we have a pathogen that gets inside our cells? So viruses and small bacteria. Well, in this case, we need to initiate the other side of our adaptive immune response, the cell-mediated response, um, sometimes called the T-cell response. And so on this side, we're going to have the same activation method. We're going to have, most likely in this case, a macrophage or a dendritic cell doing the presenting. But once that T helper cell has been activated again, it's going to release cytokines. And those cytokines are going to act specifically to cause T cells. So again, we have non-differentiated T cells waiting to differentiate into cytotoxic T cells. Now, these cytotoxic T cells are going to be unique once again. They are going to have little markers attached on them that bind specifically to the antigen they're looking for. Now, think back to the start of the podcast where I mentioned the fact that you have an MHC1 marker. You have a self-marker on all of your cells. Well, that self-marker will usually display everything's okay. Please, you know, nothing's going wrong here. But when something is going wrong on the inside, that MHC1 marker becomes, again, like a little flag. It's going to actually take any antigen from inside your cell. And your, your internal cell uh, workings have the ability to sort of break apart antigens. That antigen is going to be presented on the MHC1 marker. So now instead of your cells saying, hey, it's just me, you know, don't come and kill me. Now they're holding up a marker, an antigen saying, this thing's inside me, please come and kill me. And that's exactly what the cytotoxic T cell will do. It will attach to those MHC1 markers, recognize the antigen, and once again release a bunch of chemicals, a bunch of cytokines, different this time, that will destroy or rip apart your cell. And this way, you're destroying the cell before the uh, virus can replicate or the bacteria can destroy anything else. Uh, so that's the function of the cytotoxic T cell. Once again, it's activated by a helper T cell. It has a unique receptor that fits directly onto the antigen, the only antigen that we need. And then it will, once attached, release a bunch of chemicals that will rip apart your cell. So that's the cytotoxic T cell. Now, just for some extra information, if anything is going wrong in your body, so cancer cells and a few other examples as well, the cytotoxic T cell can be made for those functions. But for what we talk about mainly in bio, it's detecting the antigen and it's then destroying what's on the inside of that cell. Now, that's the first type of T cell. The second type is going to be the memory T cell. And once again, just like the memory B cell, it has the function of storing a memory of that antigen so that if it ever attacks again, you can have a quick or a faster reaction rate and produce more cytotoxic T cells faster. Therefore, it will be unlikely that you notice the symptoms the second time. Now, there is a third cell we can mention in the T cell side and that is the suppressor T cell. So at the very end of the immune response, the adaptive immune response, once everything has been killed and destroyed, you do need to switch things off because too many of these antigens and cytotoxic T cells in your body are not going to be good for you. So the suppressor T cell releases chemicals that inhibit the action of those T and B cells to keep differentiating. 
So that pretty much summarizes the action of our third line of defense or the adaptive immune system. So just a quick recap, we have three main cells that can alert our third line of defense. The uh, macrophage, the B cell or naive B cell with all the keys on the outside, and the dendritic cell. They will attach to that T helper cell. It will choose which way to go. It will either choose the B, the T, or both, it can do both. In, in a virus's case, it's definitely useful to do both because you want to get the virus in between cells and while it's in the cells. But if it chooses to go down the, the B cell route, the antibody mediated or the humoral immune response, it's going to turn that B cell into a plasma cell. The plasma cell will release antibodies. Those antibodies have the ability to attach, glue, release chemicals and uh, call white blood cells over. It will also make a memory B cell. If it chooses to go down the other route, cytotoxic T cells will be made. Once again, that T helper cell will, will release cytokines to stimulate that cytotoxic T cell to be produced. It will be made so that it attaches specifically to your cells where they're presenting antigens on their MHC1 marker. It will then destroy that cell if anything is going wrong. It will also make a memory T cell the memory T cell will store that information if the pathogen ever attacks again. And then finally, a suppressor T cell will be made to stop the whole immune response. All right, I hope that helped you to understand the third line of defense or the adaptive immune response. And the dot point does say investigate and model the innate and adaptive immune response. So make sure you do have models for each of the different first, second, and third lines. They might be physical replicas or flow charts. Um, and do a benefits and limitations framework for each one. So make sure you know what was good, what was bad, what predictions could it make, what couldn't it do, things like that. Um, and you should be doing that with all the models in the, uh, in the syllabus. And as always, if you ever need any biotechnology gear, make sure you check out STEM Reactor, stemreactor.com.au. They have uh, lots of awesome stuff that you can do in your school, particularly good for uh, extension science and things like that. So that's stemreactor.com.au. Bye.